each Sunday night I'd watch the practice with none of my friends I'd turn the dial to ABC To see the creep of the week That Bobby Donald defends But I'm out of practice With your host, Keith Varney Way back in high school, most every night, my mom watched QVC, so I missed the practice. There was no TiVo, what could I do? Wait 15 years, get fat, and stream it on Hulu. It's my birthday, I'll podcast if I want to. Only you can prevent forest fires. <laughs> and welcome to the Out of Happy Practice Podcast. To you. I don't know how long that goes on, so I'll go ahead and stop. <laughs> it goes on for a long time. Well, thank you. It, it is indeed my birthday. Keith, a, a, I think you don't look a day over 53 years old. Oh, thanks. What's that beard I- going on there? Oh well, you know it's uh, it's playoff hockey time. I had a suspicion and my that my Boston be it. Bruins are headed towards hopefully a Stanley Cup championship. We'll see. Wait, I, ha- I have one more birthday thing that was my tradition with my family. Okay, can't wait. Uh, so this is every birthday when I was a kid. Maybe this should be my. You know what? I'm going to save it. This is going to be my uh, this day in the basement. Awesome, awesome, even awesome. though it's a. Definitely not the right time. So how's it going, Dex? It's going pretty well, Keith. Uh, just to get a nice visual and bring in all of the five senses for our, for our listener. Oh, please. Who I used to think was Tom Brady, but now I've learned is your brother, apparently. <laughs> it is. I t- my older brother legitimately listens to the show. Hey, Sean. <laughs> and basically it was like, you're too quiet. Um, so we will bump that minus two dB. Now I've that learned. is a note I have never gotten from Sean in my entire life. <laughs> You're too quiet. Yeah, could you be a little louder? <laughs> well, speaking of loud, if you can smell that through your podcast listening device, that's the smell of, of neither one of us having showered yet. No, no, no. Well, yes, but also the smell of our balls because it's hot as balls, and I don't have an air conditioner in my bedroom, aka the studio, and so I'm sweating. Pretty badly, Keith. Well, good. Well, that's just sorry, listener. Goodbye. <laughs> it is a hundred degrees here in Astoria, Queens, and uh, we are going to watch an old episode of television for you today through the radio whilst sweating. So I hope that sans uh, air conditioner because we are that professional. I I have an air conditioner in the office, but I turned it off. For wow. the incredible sound quality that you get here in the Out of Practice podcast. What about uh, the heat in the kitchen, Keith? Is your wife baking you a cake on this, your 52nd birthday? She is actually literally baking a cake this very moment. Whoa! <laughs> you, ab- you totally guessed. So she, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I'm a huge 
cake fan. And but I I really just want vanilla vanilla with sprinkles and funfetti. So she was uh, at the grocery store like 20 minutes ago and she went to the counter and the, and the lady's like, oh, sprinkles, is that for your kid? And she's like, so yeah, totally. Uh, Keith, could you do me a favor? Yeah. Could you roll the objections bumper? Oh, of course. I always I feel like that's always a good way to start an mm-hmm. episode. Oh, I turned it down. There it is. There will be an appeal. Keith, I'm looking at my phone here, and yeah. uh, today's my day off. Today's my uh-huh. wife's day off. Today's your birthday. And I'm looking on my phone here. I don't quite see any texts from Jillian uh-huh. or you that say, hey, we're having a party. Ah, come to it. Did I did I miss that? Maybe my AT&T is not working today. It could be or it could be. Um, I just don't like people or parties for my birthday. You so don't, do don't I, feel actually. bad. It's not that you weren't invited. It's the entire universe was not invited. Well, in that case, I feel included. You are totally included with all of the rest of time and space. Awesome. Well, then I, I would like to formally revoke my objection. <laughs> Excellent. All right. So, you know, we're, we're we'll have more birthday talk because there's nothing more exciting than talking about a total stranger's birthday that you don't care about. <laughs> that is true. I can't wait. I got something in store for you. Oh, I, I, more? Well, I'll... oh. All right. Well, let's find out. So, uh let's get in. Let's talk a little bit about what's going on in the world on when this episode aired, this is season two, episode eight, entitled The Means. It aired on November 8th, 1997, another Saturday. And uh, I would like to know what's going on in this day in the basement. Well, Keith, I'll take this opportunity to go Firth. Firth? Colin Firth? Firth? <laughs> <laughs> what was Colin Firth doing in uh, 1997? Okay, in my world. Yes. It was your birthday? It was my birthday! Oh my god! Ah, the universe has conspired. Uh, What an interesting time. So, yes, well, actually, my birthday was November 13th. It's a little premature, but I figured since it was your birthday today, I would jump a couple days. Holy Um, moly. I would have celebrated this birthday with my family and friends the weekend prior to my birthday. It's how we usually did it, uh, Mm -hmm. since this was my junior year of high school. So chances were good. I probably was uh, not celebrating during the week. Although that that doesn't make a lot of sense. I probably would have. But regardless, yeah. I remember vividly what I was doing on my birthday because I was such a hot shot and had so many friends. I was playing this video game, which came out this year. Yes, that is the dulcet sounds of Final Fantasy VII that was released in 1997 on the PlayStation 1 console. Uh, Oh, the the old PS1. It was really one of the first, uh, quote-unquote, modern, i.e. not Nintendo, uh, role-playing games that I sunk my teeth into, which uh, is somewhat apropos as I've begun listening to a couple of uh, Dungeons & Dragons podcasts lately. So anyway... Have you now? Anyway, uh... I, uh, yeah, it was my birthday. I was turning 17 years old somewhere uh-huh. in Pennsylvania. Well, that's, uh, that's, that's pretty exciting. Well, 
So, uh, as I was going to say, I'm going to play what my family's tradition was. We would get woken up by this record play. And it was a record. It was one of those like square records of just like a piece of plastic. It wasn't even like a real record. Uh, and this would be playing when I woke up in the house. Let's see if it works. It's very quiet to begin with. I love this jam. Oh, it's so good. Well, my mother made this, so... Oh, here we go. This is the record playing. Hey, Keith, it's your birthday. I'm in charge of the stars, and I'm here to say... Hey, Keith, you're the big star today. <laughs> this record is 39 years old. Zoom, and I live on the moon. But I came down to earth just to sing you this tune. Cause and so, for whatever reason, this was very... You know, when I when I was, you know, the appropriate age for that, that was very, very exciting. And then when I was probably this age, say I was also 17 at this point. Uh, yeah, I, I was in a murderous rage because my mother would play that full blast at like six <laughs> o'clock in the morning before school. I uh, I almost actually started crying there because that we ha- we the same we had the record. Did you have the same one? Yeah, and I have complete like that neuron I thought was long gone. I forgot all about that until you started playing that, and so that was a nice memory. Of course, my mom didn't have a sense of humor, so we after I was like no longer four years old, I never heard that again. But uh, (laughs) I'm glad that your parents kept it going strong. Oh yeah, well I mean the reason I have access to that is my mother posted it on YouTube like two years ago with uh, with pictures of me as a kid. It's pretty. Oh wow, your mom's really firing at it. She's a full full talent. That's uh, awesome. Anyway, so yeah, I, I, all of us '80s kids, or I think a lot of us '80s kids, had Mr. Zoom uh, happy Mr. birthday Zoom. thing. Can you imagine like going into the studio, and because you have to sing all of the names, so you're obviously not singing the whole song, but you're like, okay, hey Bethany, okay, cut. <laughs> hey Carl, okay, cut. You know. <laughs> And just like on and on and on. Well, kids still love that stuff. But every every year, my wife spends like seven hours um, going through the like, what do they call it? The PNP, the Santa machine. And because we have like 16 nieces and nephews, so she sends out a personalized Santa message to each one of them. That poor Santa has to get into a studio and do the same thing. Oh, oh, Madison. Madison. Oh, 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 oh. Can you like count Chocula for a second there? (laughs) Keith, did you know that in 1997, on November 8th, in Astoria, Queens, the temperature was Uh, not this fucking hot? No. That's all I got. Thank you. Well, boy, that's... (laughs) That was good. All right, so let's talk more about uh, what's going on in the world there. In the Burlington Free Press, on November 8th, 1997, the uh, headline was Howard Dean, who was our governor, close mental hospital now. That was his quote. Uh, If you remember Howard Dean, famous uh, from the Dean scream when he ran for president, uh, poor guy, that was that taking him down was nonsense. Howard Dean uh, was my governor for a very long time in Vermont. Super nice guy. He uh, his kid played on the same hockey team as uh, Scott, my younger brother. So we would frequently like hang out watching games together and like nicest guy. 
right in the middle of like his running for president, like he was on the cover of Time magazine that week and he's there by himself in jeans and a hat, like driving himself. And we're just like, hey, game's going well today, huh? All right. Yeah, sure. Imagine, if you will, a time, a place where simply having a goofy scream caught on camera would make you ineligible to be the president. (sighs) Would be disqualified. (laughs) Seriously, like that (sighs) was not but some years ago. I think that was uh, 2004. Yeah, so that was the the one that Kerry won. Oh, my. Won the uh, nomination, at least. Oh, God. Oh, well, that's a very depressing place to. uh, (laughs) Yeah, that's true. (laughs) To continue. I do love uh, that. I do love that. We we consider the Burlington Free Press the pulse of what was happening across the entire <laughs> world uh, for our for our segment here. But as you can tell, we don't give too many shits about um, the real world, right? W- well, <laughs> I mean, we're giving the weather report twenty years ago for a uh, neighborhood in Queens. Well, well people, speaking as, of as long as as long, uh oh, no, I just, just this is what was the number one song. We'll just. Keep it impressed as we continue our depressing theme. What were you saying? You don't remember. No, I'm just really just enjoying this vibe, the vibe of this jam. The the jam of the Princess Diana died jam. So, yeah, the the top song continued to be Kennel in the Wind with Elton John. The top movie, get this, and this is an interesting one, was Starship Troopers. Hey, now. Now, do you remember Starship Troopers? Hell yeah, I remember Starship Troopers. What a cognitive dissidence of between this song and that movie. <laughs> well, I mean, that movie, I think, is wildly underrated and legendary. But I uh, first became aware of it when uh, my uncle, who was on the Academy at the time, mm-hmm. um, and uh, got the screener for it. And he's like, what in God's name is this? They spent all of this money on this crazy lunatic movie. And now looking back on it as an adult, I can see it's it's very much tongue in cheek and a, sort of a social commentary, not like a straight ahead action film. Am I mistaken in thinking that that's, that's a pretty solid cult classic, right? I don't know that oh, that's huge. Yeah. underrated, maybe at the time, but I think now it's, it's respected for its... Oh, quite. Yeah, I, I think people didn't really get it that it was social commentary when it came out yeah they didn't realize i don't know we were a little dumber then well at least uh the people the, mo- the filmmakers their ends justified the means and speaking of the means speaking of the means out of this quagmire we've created for ourselves in the beginning of this episode we have, we have <laughs> truly created a quagmire well look look it's my birthday i could be mediocre at podcasting Keith, there's something that we should have been doing all along and we haven't been doing. Oh, do tell. You know, we, we read the synopses and all these things off of the IMDb page, but what we haven't been doing is comparing our spare tires with what the general public has ranked these episodes. Oh, that's a very good point. We should be doing that. We should be doing oh. that. And the only reason I bring it up is because... To, <laughs> oh, I know. Flipping it on right now, I'm seeing a 6.5 IMDb rating on this and it's not... It's it's making me depressed because I wanted to admit to you all uh-huh. week, literally, I'm not being facetious, which is hard for me. I've been looking forward to it. For some reason, last week's episode psyched me up. I'm all in on the practice now. I've nice. Been, I've been looking. I almost thought to watch it just because I was psyched up. 
But then I oh thought, my god, you almost <laughs> you almost did forty five minutes of work for your podcast. And then I thought, hell, whoa, 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 let's calm down. <laughs> let's calm down. I, I do feel like Jimmy in a bunny suit right now. I am sweating. Um. <laughs> so yeah, uh, November eighth, nineteen ninety seven. We had uh, another Saturday episode. Keith, I'm seeing here that once again, uh, Mr. Kelly has brought on a partner. He to, has uh, indeed to co-write this episode. He uh, yes, he co-wrote this episode with Todd Ellis Kessler, uh, who you know might be very well known for having written half of this episode. <laughs> uh, no, he wrote. Uh, he's a producer uh, a lot on the uh, on the Good Wife and so forth. So he's written some of that. The unit um, wrote six episodes of the practice here. Um, did some Nashville. Okay, and then. Uh, Produced a Pan Am, the TV series. Remember that? It almost happened. I don't remember that. Just just recently. Um. Anyway, uh, and and it was uh, directed by Oz Scott, who uh, <laughs> I I don't want to really give away why it's good he directed this yet because you don't know why it is rated a six point five, but mm. we're gonna get there. Uh, he did. Uh, Got some episode of Gotham in there. He did some did some Gotham, did Unforgettable, did some CSI in New York, the district, so he's directed a ton. LA Law back in the day. All the way the Jeffersons. Alice. Oh, remember the TV show Alice? I do. I liked that show. Blue Bloods. We're he's quite old. Quite quite a lot, actually. I just keep scrolling. Yeah. Yeah. L- dude, Lizzie McGuire. Uh, Lizzie McGuire. <laughs> Whoa, we both picked that up. Chicago Hope. Okay, it's another I love Chicago Hope. Another David E. Kelly show. Picket Fences. Uh, Picket Fences, another David E. Kelly show. L.A. Law. Yeah, d- did a lot of those, yeah. Interesting. All over the courtroom. Yeah. 227. 227. I don't know what that is. Oh, man, it was these, uh, it was these, it was sort of like the Golden Girls, but more urban. Okay. Jack Hay was in it. Uh, it was like these three women who live together at and their address urban was Urban, is, is that code for something? You just Michael Scott us. <laughs> Oh man, I guess I could have said three black ladies who lived in a home together. Yeah, isn't it great? <laughs> but I said urban. urban, which I think makes me more racist. It, it makes you a thousand times more racist. I object. I yeah. Wait, <laughs> where is it? Objection! Did we just object my subtle racism? I sure did. Yeah, the uh, the out of practice podcast officially says urban is not code for black. <laughs> that is racist. All right. Well, there you have it. I, I, we, in court, I will have Eugene represent me, though. Oh, all right. So I think it's interesting to point out before we start this, that as as you said, the uh, this is rated 6.5. This is officially the lowest rated episode of the practice. Oh boy, I can't wait to sweat my nuts off watching this one. Yeah, but what's interesting is not the episode apparently. No, the ep- the episode is very interesting. I I think we'll we'll have an interesting discussion later about why is this rated the lowest. Or anybody's dicks grabbed. I can I'm not I'm not spoiling anything. Okay. All right. We're going to do this. We are, we are living in a post uh, Game of Thrones world, so hopefully this can fill the void. Uh, so are we ready to start? Is that what we're getting Let's at? Let's do it. Let's do the episode. All right. We're going to start the episode, but first, Keith and I are going to pay the bill. Now that we've done that, 
We present to you The Practice, Season 2, Episode 8, The Means. Yeah. That's me right there. And that's the guy with the gym bag. That's me coming over. I was merely doing my job. What did you say to this man? Well, I, no, I don't uh, previously on this week. I told him he couldn't leave no. the store until I checked the contents of his bag. When I asked to look in his bag, he got all belligerent. That's when he came over. Who? That man right there. He's pointing to. And then what happened? Well, he started hassling me. A and I urban him there's none of his bald business. man. Would he please step back? But he continued. <laughs> oh, I asked him to step back again. That's when this kid with a gym bag slams me into the display Whoa. case. I regain my balance, but suddenly there's these other kids that join him. And they're hitting me out of nowhere. They throw me to the ground. Wow, this man's being assaulted on camera. Kicking me? Where's the defendant now? I don't know. Okay. The tape has been edited to seven minutes later. Can you describe to us what's happening now? Well, as you can see, we were overrun with people coming in from outside, stealing things, and running out again. And wow. what is the defendant doing at this time? Well, he was over me at one point. There, right there. He's coming back more, grabs me. The guard pulls him off. He throws him into a table. So I'm already going to pause right here because I want to say, Keith, this uh, witness who is describing this uh, incident where his store is being looted and there's all kinds of violence and taking place. Right. He, he's given one hell of a performance, I think. Yeah. And you know what we should do? Witness who got beat up in the store. Poor bald guy who got his ass kicked. That is Matt Malloy. Who uh, you might know from the movie Armageddon hey. and uh, like great movie. Also, like uh, another like sort of bad sci-fi movie that's incredibly watchable from about that era. Mm-hmm. And he played the character of Grish on Star Trek Enterprise. Roll it. Necessary Star Trek. I'm rolling reference. it. I'm doing it. The line must be drawn here. This far, no farther. Is that is that all? That's it. I, that, yeah. That's all that I wrote, wrote down. The guard continues to attempt to detain him, and here, he just, they scuffle a bit, and the guy just went crazy. The guy being? That man, right there. This guy's the doing a lot of pointing. He throws him right. two punches to the face. Watch. Here it comes. Bang. Oh, no. Bang. And then he just throws him through the glass. Wow. Wow, so he fake so, punched the cop twice and then threw him through a, uh, a prop window. A pretty bad fake punch. Yeah. <laughs> that was like Rocky but Four he bad. goes through the windows, yeah. Although this new synth, somebody got a new synth. Yeah, well, don't worry, I, I have a commentary on that. Roland updated the patches that year. <laughs> Roland? They were lucky if they had a Roland. Yeah, right. What are some other, what are some other brands? We had a... Uh, Sony, uh, right? Well, you have a Sony, you have a Yamaha, you have a Kurzweil, you have a uh, Alesis, and you have the Casio. Uh, what do you got back there, Keith? I have a Roland. Hashtag Roland. If you'd I have, like I have to a be, Roland uh, FP7F. This week's episode of the Out of Practice Podcast brought to you by Roland Synthesizer Pianos. Yes, but brought to you by the most expensive thing I own. Like, it cost as much as, like, the engagement ring. Laura Flynn Boyle. She's coming over your your house tonight, Keith. 
that's awkward. Is the ongoing controversy about the court's relocating of the trial outside Boston, and the question of whether Aaron Wilton, the African American man accused of aggravated assault in the infamous Save World riot, can receive a fair trial from the all-white jury here in suburban Wellesley. This is Melanie Morris, News Eight. So, Keith, please help me with my uh, my. My current events, my yes. spidey senses are telling me that this has something to do with the sort of maybe the, the Rodney King riots. Am, am I way off base? No, no, I, I think we're definitely going to. It's the the Rodney King riots. And then there was another one they reference on the show whose name I don't remember, uh, but a very similar event. So we're definitely one, commenting on this sort of a thing. This is one of those sort of, quote unquote, ripped from the headlines type of uh, episodes. It is indeed. The African-American accused of aggravated assault. And you know what? I think it's about time to do, because this is important. Uh, where is it? Oh, God, I'm so, I'm so bad today. African-American accused of assault. Guy with the shiniest head I've seen in weeks. That is D.B. Woodside. D.B. So D.B. Woodside. If you were a fan of... Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh, he played uh, the principal when Buffy was working at the high school. He also played President Wayne Palmer on 24 for many seasons. That's the uh, one I recall. You'd also see him on Lucifer, Suits, and Murder One. Very no, good actor. No Star Trek? No Star Trek. Did you see the logo for Picard, by the way? I did. Yeah, I'm psyched about that. I'm scared. Put Instead side. of the guy who was trying to stick up for an innocent guy accused of shoplifting, I'm the African-American who caused the riot. And I don't get to tell my side. If we put you on the stand, Aaron, that old conviction can be put into evidence. That was 100 years ago. He was 18. Even so, the jury... He was 18 100 years ago? Excuse me. That all white mm -hmm. jury? That's what you get in Wellesley. We didn't have a choice. It just gives us greater... I was in Wellesley yesterday. Ground for appeal. I was. If we need it. That's the cutting kind of insight you're going to get on this podcast. <laughs> Vice president in a Fortune 500 company. I go shopping for a pair Somebody of in their car was like, wow. <laughs> you're big news because you threw a guy through a window. It really was the perfect wedding. Well, it's not polite for me to say, but people did tell us that it was the most elegant affair they'd ever been to. <laughs> Got some yeah, nice time some uh, I'm sorry office chatter happening. Well, there were mm -hmm. a lot of people there, and I was sitting at the uh, cousin's table. This dress right here, completely handmade. <sighs> Who's that lady? Have we seen her before? So, uh, Myra. No, but we're gonna we're gonna. Honeymoon. I want to sue that idiot travel agent, Gracie Kramer. The woman is a giant fart, and you know it's not likely to be vulgar. Whoa, 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 giant whoa! Fart? There were a, a few mixes. Oh well, first, first she puts us in business. Right then, the car she rented us was a subcompact, not a sedan, and she told us we were in a romantic, adults-only hotel, which it was most definitely not. Uh, Myra, sometimes it can be very difficult to sue travel agencies. Okay, it's time for... Lady Who Is A Lot! Person who should not be friends with any of these other people. But she is Eleanor's cousin. Okay, so and they're not necessarily is, friends. She is a lot. Well said, Keith. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. But, you know, because she has appeared on the show, she's old friends with somebody uh, or related. Her name is Meredith Scott Lynn, who uh, primarily did 181 episodes of Days of Our Lives. Oh, my goodness. 181, which, I mean, that's 181 days of work. 
And she is apparently in this episode uh, who just got married to a man who clearly will go on to star in many Hallmark uh, Christmas movies as a guy who works on a Christmas tree farm. Ruggedly handsome uh, and way yeah, too tall. He, no, but he, but he's not the guy who runs the Christmas tree farm. He's like the douchebag boyfriend. <laughs> right that they start out with and he's like i want to live in a big city and make money i'm very work focused i don't have time for playing with children or baking cookies keith i found our newest podcast which is hate watching hallmark christmas movies (laughs) (laughs) that one could be pretty awesome actually it could i mean how there's got to be like a million of those already maybe not we'll have to we'll have to do some market research we like to uh my family and i what we do is we watch or my wife and I, my brother too, will watch the first five minutes and then stop it and predict accurately the entire oh, of rest of the film. Oh, no question. Shall yeah, no, the Hallmark Christmas hardship. films get played a lot the first day at the in-laws house. An inflatable seahorse. That's how she pulled the hamstring. Yes, I know, but is that... Okay, Eleanor, can I, can I be open with you? Sure. We never even got to consummate our marriage. Okay. Definitely okay. needed that information. Oh, yeah. Uh, this lady's awesome. Are you really prepared to drag that aspect into court? <laughs> My happiness is at stake here, and if I have to drag whatever into court, I don't care because I want her to pay. The giant. Fart. <laughs> the man you accused I'm just picturing the table read of that. Was he? <laughs> Shoplifter? No. Then you were mistaken. On this occasion, yes. On this occasion. Mr. Robinson, how long have you worked to save world drugs? Five and a half years. And in that so time, to point this out, just so just so that we're clear, this riot started because this base, manager correct. accused a guy of shoplifting and he wasn't shoplifting. We're from the African American community. Fifty percent. Fifty percent. Actually, Save World's own figures show that fifty-six uh, percent of your customer base were African American. Well, then I guess that's the case. Is anyone besides you empowered to stop suspected shoplifters? No, just me. And how often do you stop customers for shoplifting? Probably once or twice a day. So, with the average month being 30 days and you being open seven days a week, that would be 60-some-odd customers stopped. A lot of facts and figures here. Yeah. And in the last month, how many customers have you stopped that were white? I know what you're trying to do. Just answer my question. Now... I'm going to tread carefully here. This seems Definitely. very familiar. You mean from real life? <laughs> well, no. I mean, like, I feel like this is a beat we've really hit a lot on the not so many episodes into the show. Well, we hit, I mean, we certainly I mean, with Eugene, dealt with, with racist Eugene. cops. Yeah. This is now a, this R- is about. A racist store owner. A racist store owner. Well, I mean, and, and a lot of I it, I mean, recall. a lot of the show is going to be about racial profiling. You don't profile. recall stopping yeah. any white customers, or, or you don't recall stopping any white customers. Luckily, we've solved that in the future. Oh, yeah, boy, month, nailed it. just don't recall anything. I don't recall stopping any white customers. So even though 44% of your customers are white, 0% were stopped for shoplifting, that would mean 100% suspected shoplifters were African-American. Hmm. That's not good. Well, oh, that lady took a note, too. She took a note. Place. I took a note. Wellesley, all white jury. You take a lot of notes, man. Mm, I think it's a perfect I do, actually. to make it about race. Rich, affluent, white town. 
These are the people that are desperate to reach out to minorities, so long as they don't actually have to meet one. You're such a cynic. Well, it looks like Bobby and, uh, uh, oh my God. I'm, I'm not helping you. Oh, I'm not uh, helping you. You do a podcast about this show. <laughs> you should know the characters' names. <laughs> <laughs> they've Miss Boyle, they've uh they've gotten past their rocky beginning, it seems. Suburbanites feel guilty about their swimming pools. Showing compassion to It's amazing what a subtle dick grab will do. I slept with a guy from Wellesley once. We came this close. Really break to the, the ice, you know? <laughs> it does indeed. That's a joke. Why do you do that? Try to shock me. The truth? No. <laughs> Lie to me. I think you're a little buttoned down. I'm not buttoned down. My name is Bobby, and I banged a murderer, so... A murderer, every judge, every person in the world. It's nothing to be ashamed of. I'm not. Okay, sexually conservative, then. Why do you... You know nothing about what I'm like sexually, okay? (laughs) Exactly. We've been on three dates. I don't have a clue. Either you're not attracted to me, or... What am I supposed to do? Attack you? It sounds like it. Well, I'm thinking. Whoa, that grin, Bobby. (laughs) Yeah, boy, she is really correct. What's up? (laughs) What's the matter? The security guard, the one you pushed through the window. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh no. He died. Shit. Boom. Murder. When? About an hour ago. That security guard that you almost punched. So stop it there, because like that sound that they added to the score there reminds me of one of my favorite scores of all time, also from the 90s. See if you I'm going to play this, see how long it takes you to recognize what this is. This is the TV movie of It, which I imprinted on when I was a kid. Tim Curry at his finest. Tim, Tim, truly, you know, and I have, we should, we do a whole separate podcast on the It stuff, but uh, this, Tim Curry in this, Tim Curry, the score and the cinematography were fantastic in this. It really goes off the rails at the end. Yeah. But uh, I really liked this TV movie. Very good adaptation of my favorite book of all time. You know, I, I have to say the most recent adaptation is really good, too. I just, I really love that it's, story. It, I, I do, too. I mean, like like I said, I, it is it is my favorite book of all time. I reread it probably once a year. You prefer uh, it to The Stand? I really love The Stand. I like The Stand. I, I, I There's a couple things about it that I like better than The Stand. One... I think it's because uh, I think Stephen King writes children really well. Mm-hmm. It's like he understands how kids actually interact and actually talk to each other. And it's not quite so sanitized and it's sort of like half innocent, half not. Um, it, of course, I, I first read it when I was the age of the kids. Mm-hmm. And I was sort of like in the losers club and I was like one of those like fucked kids out there like just trying to hang on. And I was like, these are my people. This is exactly me. And it scared the bejesus out of me. But anyway. Yeah. I felt that way about we, the body, too, that novella, which. 
Oh, another sure. great adaptation made of that. No, oh, absolutely. No, and I think that's a, a another perfect example of like that age kids. He really does sort of like get how their minds work. Anyway, this has been your it moment. <laughs> Meanwhile, this poor guy this. In a, indirectly killed someone. Aaron, I've been asked to surrender you to the police. They're revoking bail. What? Man, they're going they over the top with this new uh, Roland. Manslaughter? You mean he's being charged with murder? No, 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 no. it's homicide. Wait, 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 how? How can they do that? They can do that. Because a man oh, the it composer is Richard Bellis. He should get his we credit. We this could happen. Hashtag Bellis. Yeah, but even, I mean, I... I certainly didn't mean for a man to die. Look, it, it doesn't change anything as far as our case goes. You were assaulted first. You found yourself in a fight. You defended yourself. Nothing's changed. Nothing's changed? Uh, yeah, fair amount's changed. Yeah, quite a bit. A man is now dead, Eugene. A white the man. Assault and murder, a little bit different. Man. Nothing's changed. Jimmy's like, I'm gonna just stand over here. Jimmy's like, I have no lines in this episode. I don't want lines in this episode. I'm staying out of this. I just got myself out of that bunny costume, so... <laughs> Take a seat, and I'll be with you in a minute. Mm-hmm. Incredible wardrobe, straight A's, perfect figure. Every time I saw her, she had another drop-dead gorgeous boyfriend. I hate it. You know, I know we've harped on this a bunch, but 12, it's really interesting with these took me uh, four by three aspect ratio shows back in the day. Zits, but really? It's interesting how close people have to stand to one another. Nobody stands yeah, they really this do. close. <sighs> I shouldn't be so There's bad. no room for personal I mean, space in four by three. Fine. I like her. She's, you know, she's nice. She's just, uh, she's fine. Nice try. No talking to the press, Aaron. Hey, Bobby. Hey. How's it going, Helen? Well, Calm down. Saying. Nothing. How's it going, Lindsay, here? Jesus. Very conspicuous shot of the coffee maker. Okay, this is the hotel the pharmacy product placement. bill. This is the airline Quite receipt, full. and this is the receipt from the duty-free shop mm. at the Cancun airport. Total comes to six thousand twenty dollars and twelve cents, not including what we expect for hardship and emotional trauma. <laughs> this la the this lady away. is in a different show. Sometimes be hard to she's so five. lovely. I think that we should try to go for reimbursement. It's like she's like I, I really thought I was coming into uh, on the set of the nanny this week. Uh, so I've, I, pre I prepared my performance for the nanny, so I'm just going to give you definitely that. definitely feels like she should I love you, and forgive me for saying this, but you need to understand this thing. Sex can be very important in a couple's relationship, and without it, there can be strain in the marital bed, my marital bed. Wasn't there any uh, premarital sex? Yes, of course, all the time, but that's not the point. Okay, then why don't we um, take a look at the other forfeited aspects of the honeymoon? <laughs> okay, like what? Well, like touristy things that you were prevented from doing because of the pulled hamstring. I, I don't know. Okay, how about, oh, uh, let's say, a This week's episode brought to you by okay. shoulder pads. Do you and Oren play any sports? Was that on your schedule? Shoulder pads know. and collars, that's how we roll Oren here. Oren has a tennis racket. How about bicycling? Irritates, I get a yeast flare-up. Is this really necessary? <laughs> <laughs> Myra, I'm just trying to establish your expectations for the honeymoon. It would be very helpful if you could just write a list of things that you and Oren wanted to do, you know, hobbies. Okay, or... I've only been with the guy 
four and a half months. It's not like I know him inside out, okay? All right. Oh. <laughs> this lady's great. She certainly has been able to make you want to kill her in like 10 seconds. That doesn't mean anything. This should be a mistrial. Same facts, same case. Except now you're switching. All right, hold on. I know that lawyer from somewhere. So this is the prosecutor played by Sandra Quarterman, who I know my claim to fame with me is she was on Hanging with Mr. Cooper. I love that show. Yeah, right? How fun was hanging with that? That was a really fun, that was a like late TGIF series. It was like, it was a TGIF replacement for sure. <clears throat> yeah. I, I, I was to watch that. While we're here, time. should we hit this judge? Uh, yeah, we sure can. That judge is Jill Andre. Who you might know from none of the things that she's done. <laughs> okay, well, Switching that's thorough. It's either new trial or mistrial. I'm afraid it's neither. You're not prejudiced by this. It doesn't affect the evidence. And you knew they might do this. You can't just add a charge in the middle of a trial. That's unprecedented. It's not unprecedented. It might be irregular, but you take that up with appeals. Now, this case yeah, goes but, on with manslaughter. I think she's right. Like, th that is, that does make a big difference and that is good grounds for appeals you know adding basically changing the charge from assault to murder midstream and for me that makes a huge difference because i might hire a different lawyer absolutely if i if i go for assault versus murder <laughs> like i'm gonna definitely try a little harder throw a little more money that's a much bigger deal so i i think that case gets restarted there Otherwise, they've got sort of a guaranteed toss on on appeal. Unfortunately, Keith, you're not a fictional TV lawyer or judge, for that matter. No, not yet. There's still time. Can you describe the scene for us when you first arrived at 4.15? There were people running out of the store carrying merchandise. Other people from the street were rushing back inside at the same time. That's when I saw the body crash through the front window. And oh, wait. The body yeah. It's some really good work on that one. Oh, man. My, our improv skills are really improving. Oh, God. There's a cat walking across your desk. Uh, <clears throat> well, I stopped it right there because it's so it's so perfect. That cop is played by Dan Martin, who you might recognize from the Stand TV movie. Oh, my goodness. Right? Stephen King, hashtag, at symbol, whatever you need. This one's for you. This one is for you. He was also in Heat. Now, wasn't Dan Marshall also um, Martin Dan Martin? OK, so not he was not in the cast of Titanic, the musical with us. He was not because he was a different person. Gotcha. Gotcha. Thank you for clearing that up. Yeah. Mr. Roman Rosemont. Yes, ma'am. Did you see who actually hurled the body through the window? Objection. Council has not established that Mr. Rosemont was hurled or otherwise acted upon. Overruled. What did this you judge see? ain't got time Officer. for this shit. I saw the no. defendant, Mr. Wilden. Neither just the, the cop, apparently. And did he see you? Did he say anything to you? Objection, leading the witness. I'll rephrase, Your Honor. Officer Tedesco, when you saw Mr. Wilton standing in the window of the Save World Drugs, 
What did he do? Object to the form. What happened when Mr. Wilton saw you? He said, whose side are you on, brother? Uh-oh. You should be helping us to burn this place down. Uh-oh. Oh. And what do you think he meant by that remark? Objection. That lady took another note. That's two notes yeah. she has now. Now I know why the episode is rated so low. Oh, look at that ponytail. Ponytail juror in the sweater that I was probably wearing that day. We can recover. How abrupt was the end of that little uh, synth beat there? the customers in the store, that DeAndre Jackson, Time Alone, the ones who will sweat that it was a store manager who provoked Aaron. It's still justified defense of others, and we just keep going. Eugene, the jury just heard intent to commit. Whatever liberal sympathy we had, it's gone now. He's the angry black killer now. Let's not oh, kid is, he, is that how he's listed in the credits? <laughs> yes. Maybe we should go with that. What? I would like to state my case that Urban is less offensive than the angry black killer. I think yes. The that's... original Benny beating. Remember after the LA riot? As they said that's in the previous one, as racist comments uh, goes, that's one of the better it's ones. It's called a social <laughs> deviance defense. As angry black men, they had this right to explode. The jury bought it. Crickets. That's my theory. I'm just saying that's what they used. Look it up. Dr. Traub, Alvin, whatever his name was, he was the expert on the Hilburn case. We don't have a Reginald Denny situation here. We have To Jimmy's credit, I mean, at this point, you got to reach for anything you got, right? <laughs> yeah, sort of. Reginald Denny, that was the case I just yes. brought up. The upper middle class so that's the thing we're sort of like that, we spent the last two retrying here. That he's an upstanding citizen. Now we're going to chuck all that and make him a poster boy for Negro inferiority. It's an option. Maybe the only one we have left. He won't do it. He's too proud. Well, 15 years to life is a high price for pride. Not in episode one. It was not. Remember that young, no. that young lady? She was like, put me in jail. I ain't saying I did it. Right. How far we've come from those na na so the naivete of episode one. Take that, pilot. Those baby blues, though, Bobby. Even they even mm -hmm. entranced me. See if we can still argue diminished capacity. We should be able to since they added homicide. I wouldn't. I'm not saying I'd grab his dick, but I'd think about it. I think you're thinking think about it right now. Take it to him. Now we're all thinking about it. <laughs> Every one of you. <laughs> All three of us, yeah. you, me, and whoever the listener is. Is it weird that it's you, me, me, you, and your brother, and Tom Brady are all thinking? <laughs> it's a literal menagerie of sexual You're assault. Talking about humiliating Ugh. me in front of my friends, my family, the whole world. How the hell is that supposed to help me? It helps, but maybe keeping you out of jail. Explain this to me again. You argue that he Great reverb in this little scene. We would argue that he has a pathological tendency towards violence. Like a wild monkey defense? Whoa, whoa. Like I said, I'm not Somebody wrote that on paper. Yeah, well, I mean, what she's I mean, she's actually saying that's a terrible wrong thing, which actually makes perfect sense because it is. Uh speaking of, we should talk about Righteously angry wife. I got nothing. <laughs> well, I'm just like throwing it to you, and you are just alley pooping it. Uh huh. Yeah. Oh, like a big wet uh. fart, or what? <laughs> Whatever that lady said earlier. 
<laughs> oh, uh, a big fart. Yeah. Yes. So this week, the writers had to have committed to paper both the fart line and the angry monkey defense line. So, Ooh. yeah. Yeah. So uh, this is Lisa Arundel, uh, who did uh, some fun things. She d- did some of the Medea movies, did Big Mama's House 2. She was on the Cosby show a million years ago. Um, Saints and Sinners. All right. That's kind of all the exciting things she did. I'm recommending it. And why are you even presenting it, man? Because you're staring at a possible homicide conviction. And even if we get it chopped down to involuntary manslaughter, you're looking at five. I still don't understand the group contagion part. Basically, instead of trying to argue defense of others, we argue that once the people started fighting around, you kind of went on automatic pilot. That's where the social deviant thing comes in. We so you like- what's what's happening here is they are going to argue jury nullification like they always do. But this time just nullified through the jurors racism. It's like, I want you to nullify this because you're racist. You know, I, I want to present this as delicately as possible. But often, and I understand the point of, you know, the narrative and the acting i get i get it but i I, it's hard for me not to immediately put myself into the shoes of holy shit i just got accused of murder and in this case i did i am responsible the the indignance that everybody whatever they whenever they present a sort of radical defense strategy everybody's always so indignant about oh well why do i have to i wouldn't say that and i shouldn't i shouldn't i'm just thinking myself i'd be weeping and be like what do you need me to do what do i need to say what do I need to do? I don't want to go to federal pound in the ass prison. No, I, and, and I think that, you know, from the standpoint of that character, of the person on trial, like I, I, I would understand that as, a, as, a, as an option. You know, that said, like, what? It would be like uh, all it, Italians who sing really high mm. are murderers. I mean. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I guess you. But if I sang so high that a chandelier like shattered and stabbed a poor old lady in the face, I mean. Uh, kids, that's next week's episode. The power to That got that. a 7.5, though. You <laughs> expect me to testify to that. Something to that effect. But if he testifies, doesn't the previous conviction come in? We want it in. It works for us now. She did her homework. Oh, it works for us now. I see. No, she's just changed, Aaron. That's what she knows what's what. You, man. Before we were arguing, you were justified. Now it's more like insanity. You got this pathological thing that makes you violent. Mm, that is tough to swallow. That's what I'm saying. You, can, like you can get another lawyer, though. Crazy no. racism. Aaron. Baby, no! I mean, how am I? Well, I mean, okay, so... The other strategy is shit. I got carried away. They were pushing and shoving. I didn't. I didn't instigate this. And this cop flung me around, and I was defending myself. That's the. That's well, I, no, I, absolutely. And the 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 practical, you know. And this we'll get to this at the end of the episode. But like, really, what he should be working towards is just minimizing the sentence, knocking it down yeah. to just like simple assault. Like the, you know, the manslaughter version of assault. Yeah, it was an accident. I don't, you know. It was an accident. I'm supposed to walk back into work after I say I'm some kind of pathological, violent animal. You don't get to walk back into work if you're in prison. 
that's the other thing. The other context also is like these strategies, however radical, right? You got to expect the prosecution is going to do the same thing. They're going to present you as a radical monster. That's what they're going to do. What about our son? For sure. Our home, our life together. What about all that? Maybe you're suggesting that I pretend to be a social deviant. I don't know. This lady's giving it. It makes sense. Stakes are pretty high here. I'd like to officially nominate her, Keith. It's not a strong case. Okay. But it's makeable. With just two crimes. Two assault crimes. Together with his past history, getting pulled over, falsely accused. Every black man in America has that history. Well said. As I said, it's not a strong case. But all you need is reasonable doubt. Doctor, we're in the middle of a trial. Could you possibly testify tomorrow? No problem. All I need to do is interview Mr. Wilton, and I would need $10,000 in advance. Unscrupulous therapist! Guy. (laughs) It's getting worse. Next time, I'm just going to make a noise. I thought I had to commit to it now at this point for this episode. I'm trying as hard as they're trying. Oh my God. (laughs) That unscrupulous therapist is Tony Amendola. Oh yeah. uh, Yeah. Oh yeah. Very uh, recognizable character actor. You might recognize him as one of Dexter's victims. uh, I believe in season one, he was on Stargate Stargate SG one. He plays three different doctors on the practice. Interestingly, I'd be curious to see what, how they sort of uh, are portrayed and whether or not we have a character payment issue that just keep renaming him mm-hmm. or they're three different characters. He was on the West Wing and don't worry, he was on Star Trek Voyager. He played the character of Chorus number three, which doesn't sound like it makes sense and it makes just a little bit more sense in real life. Unnecessary Star Trek reference. The line must be drawn here. This far, no farther. Now, Keith, do you think he made $10,000 for this appearance? Oh, let me see. I bet. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, in 1997, money was probably about that. Today, it would about because he, I think he has probably at least two or three days worth of shooting. So, and he's a recognizable Mm -hmm guest star it was a full guest star it wasn't just like a, an over five so yeah i bet he did and uh, plus residuals you could think of any other horrible he's which he's getting right now right now we're watching it would be helpful you're welcome tony want to know what our revenue is up to keith <laughs> so basically <laughs> no everything want to venture a guess theory bobby uh, the doctor, sadness better coming from him <laughs> do you as well and I'll do the closing you don't feel a little funny about this funny it makes me sick but let's get the acquittal first dollar 68 baby the acquittal now come on we do wow (laughs) we're not losing here we should diversify (laughs) we've got a portfolio now (laughs) mrs. Kramer 
I really appreciate you coming down here today. I would advise Mrs. Kramer not to say anything at this time. Hey, you young lady, I've been... Uh, uh, oh God, I'm not ready. Here it is. Walking bag of Botox. Oh, I was talking about the guy next to the walking bag of Botox. <laughs> I didn't look that up. Oh, he's like recognizable. Is he now? Well, uh, apparently he's clearly recognizable to you. Yeah. Uh, let me look up who he is. Well, you talk about her and I'll look about him. All right, I'll talk about her. Great. So uh, that is Nicole with an M, Nicole Mercurio. And uh, I, she's not a walking bag of Botox. I'm just being an asshole. She was uh, actually in the movie Mask with Cher. Had a big oh. part in that. She was in Flashdance. Okay. What Lies Beneath, which was filmed in uh, my home state of Vermont. And While You Were Sleeping. I like While You Were Sleeping. Oh, that's not, that's not him at all. Boy, you are doing a terrible job. Her lawyer at- is not him. He's a different guy. Well... I told you he wasn't attorney for Miss Kramer. Yeah, no, that's him, Alan Blumenfield. Never carried liability insurance. Oh, he looks different now. Heard of suing your travel agent? Well, twenty years does that to a person. Damages are very real. Our position remains, however. Damages. Name them. Uh, Inconvenience, fraudulent representations, and um, impediment to uh, sexual satisfaction. Now, I can't promise you anything, but there may still be room in all of this for a settlement. You might look very favorable. Not the skinniest of a chance. It's him. He lost some weight. You can't deny that. He's from Long Island. That's all I'm going to tell you. Can I tell you something? When I went on my honeymoon, my husband, Herschel, may he rest in peace, never made a big deal of the sex. We talked. We played canasta. We go for a (laughs) This lady's great. We really got to know each other. (laughs) Some really funny character acting happening here. It wasn't the be all and end all that these kids make it out to be. No. No settlement. And if you're their advisor, Ms. Frutt, you tell them what really matters in a relationship. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't let her lawyer speak. Maybe we could work this out. Yeah. That would be nice. This case has the lowest stakes. I don't know why even bother. Urban anthropology is the study of human interaction in the inner cities. And in all your years as an urban anthropologist, have you ever studied situations like the riot that occurred? You know, Keith, some have accused me of being an urban anthropologist. Urban <laughs> Brighton, Massachusetts. Many times. I did. In fact, I authored a paper published in the Journal of Urban Studies entitled Group Contagion and Racial Violence. Is this the journal? You know, Keith, some have referred to you as a group contagion. Yes. If you would read, I'm a contagion all by myself. Article. Herpes will do that to you. Right here. Hmm. It is the finding of this study that group violence often triggers a contagious behavior within the African American community, which aggravates in African American males an innate pathological tendency to commit acts of violence. Well, oh, this is ugly. That is a pretty bold statement, don't you think, doctor? Aren't you concerned with being labeled a racist? My concern is scientific study. Racism plays no part in it. I see. If you would read the rest of the outline portion aloud, right here. This frenzy of aggression precludes the individual African-American male from forming a specific intent to hurt 
or commit mayhem. Oh, give me a break. Miss Hart. In simpler language, doctor, we found that black men can... They, uh, that was an improv she did during the table read, and they were like, I guess we'll put that in. <laughs> Not Keep it, yes. psychologically accountable for their actions when taken over by this form of temporary insanity. It's not unlike pack behavior you see among many animal groups. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Are we supposed Jesus. to allow this racist quackery to be passed off as legitimate science? The course position is not to judge scientific validity, Miss Hart. Only relevancy overruled. Doctor, help us out here. How do you account for this, this tendency among black males? The group contagion comes from commonly shared emotions of frustration from feeling locked out from full participation in society. And when a situation presents itself that gives them a... I just got a... I got a, got a taste of my birthday cake. Oh, I saw that. I saw the oh, dance was good. that accompanied it. I feel, I feel really strongly about birthday cakes. And I want you to know that whilst a pretty racially charged and racially disgusting scene was playing out, you were doing... Uh, a pretty liberal doing a little dance doing a dance so the incongruence really has tickled me well to be fair i just wasn't listening okay that's fair <laughs> way to release that powerful frustration true or false like mere episodes ago we were we were going to raise the moral bar of the practice impulse now. yeah how's that going tendency to violence you don't find among whites no hispanics no asians no only African-American males in a group setting may be incapable of resisting this contagious violence. <laughs> oh, boy. Like victims. So black men just can't lay off violence. What I said was in some situations... I heard what you said. Blacks are subject to group contagion, which is basically mob violence. I said in some situations, depending upon the underlying sociological history, that pathology can develop, yes. Is this a real study? Is this based on any sort of reality, like any quackery, or is this just a, a crafted? I would, uh, you know, I would normally say a better podcast would look it up, but I'm afraid to type it into the internet, mm -hmm. so <laughs> I'm not even going to try to look that up. Or we, I guess, the writers felt it was safe to just say we, if for for uh, any, for ten grand, you could probably find a doctor to say whatever the hell you wanted. Well, I'm guessing that that was probably the argument made in that real trial. Yeah. That apparently worked. I'm certainly not the only doctor or professor to make this claim. But you're the one making it today, doctor. I'm I sit here saying that it is possible. Possible. When the price is right. Objection. How much are you charging for today's testimony? Objection. Overruled. I'm interested to know myself. How much? Doctor? $10,000. Plus expenses. You charge for mileage? Yes. And in preparation for today's expert testimony, how much time did you spend with a defendant to see if he was subject to group contagion? I'm not sure. More or less than a day? Less. More or less than an hour? Less. This witness makes me sick. Action. That remark is stricken. I'm surprised at you. Objection! Ms. Hart. Don't you think that if you're going to present your client a, a pretty, I don't want to say, a pretty radical defense strategy where you're going to basically call in this quack doctor to make this claim. Right. Aren't you aware that, they're, that they might bring up and cross that you interviewed him for 20 minutes for $10,000? 
that it's basically a pay for play? You'd think, but I don't think they had time to make it any different. Right. So they, cause he was testifying the next day. Bobby always yeah. goes for the wrong girls. It's because it's safe. He knows he'll never fall. To Lindsay, deep. you're coming across a little desperate here, honey. could be right. That's ridiculous. Well, also like this is a perfect, <clears throat> another one of those like male no, fantasy. Yeah. Wait. scenes where like the two hottest women Remember in the world the are talking about like oh is he gonna like it. me or is he gonna like you what's going on with him all right you're distinctly coming up. I've been failing the bechdel test here three words helen forget it oh yeah oh yeah we, what we missed okay. right there was you're helen nice. proposing a threesome so truly <laughs> dave we know what david know, e kelly right? wanted i know the strategy bobby the lost episode. I'm sorry. I know this is hard. Did you tell him what he's in for? Nope. So he has no idea where I'm coming from? Nope. Shit. Why'd you have to jump in? You weren't involved. Oh, he's gonna try to piss him off? stopped so many times in my life for no other reason than, than the fact that I'm black. And I just, you know, I just couldn't accept it when I saw what they were doing to this kid. You were angry? Yes. Angry enough to hurt that security guard? Uh, I didn't mean to be involved in a brawl. Things flew out of control, and suddenly I found that I had to defend myself. Well, we've all watched the videotape. Are you denying that you were on the attack? Well, I didn't start it. We could have walked away. Well, by then the others had joined It was four in. against one. Why didn't you stop it then? Objection. Is counsel declaring his own client a hostile witness? Mr. Donald? Your Honor, I'm advancing a theory my client doesn't agree with. I may have to treat him as hostile. Right. When you had the upper hand... Bobby, you're crazy, man. Why didn't yeah. you stop the fight and leave the store? I tried to, but like I said, things flew out of control. A lot of handheld camera work here. Watch yeah. the tape again, Mr. Wilton. Show us where you tried to stop. Okay, it wasn't like that. I mean, you know, it, it happened so much faster. It, it was like everything was happening all at once. Like this? Or like He's this? He's showing other riots. Looks like some Black Friday Walmart shit. That's how it seemed. You know, rioting and looting in the 90s was much more difficult than it would be today because those flat screen TVs are so much lighter. And when That's the true. These guys are walking out with like 85 pound Zenith television. Strangled me. Okay. Strangle you. When Mr. Rosemont tried to strangle you. New fan. You, what were New you fan. Thinking? <laughs> thinking? I don't know. Did man. you want to hurt him? Objection. You wanted to hurt him, didn't you? I said I don't know what I was thinking. Did you want to kill him? Objection. You well, the other thing that happened here is in the, the 90s, we on every white person. The only thing you saw in media were black people rioting. But I'm like, hey, 2019 called and here's some footage from Nebraska Walmart at, on Black Friday. might play in Boston, but here at Wellesley, we don't go for it. Do you You know, I was in Wellesley yesterday. Baxter. Wow, that's even yes, more interesting the second time. Who is Samuel Baxter? He was a janitor at the Academy Homes in Roxbury. The projects where you grew up. Yes. Was he a white man or a black man? He's a black man. And how would you characterize your relationship with Mr. Baxter back then? He's friendly. Still friendly with Mr. Baxter? No. You were arrested and convicted of aggravated assault. Keith, I feel gross, and I don't think it's just the sweat dripping all over myself. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's ugly. Objection, Your Honor. Aside from the question of relevance, he's talking about something that happened almost 20 years ago. Your Honor, this case today revolves around the issue of group 
contagion as we have But it's an interesting turnaround because they were talking earlier in the episode about how to keep this out may not be limited to and the prosecution would want to get it in and now the tables have completely flipped beat up this man objection now he's testifying withdraw did you and your friends assault Samuel Baxter okay look that happened such a long time ago you were drinking yes and this man a custodian asked you to pick up some bots yes and you beat him up things just got out of control four of you beat him up a fight ensued this man asked you to pick up some bottles and you beat him half to death i read the police report so keith if you have to sacrifice all of your integrity to beat a rap that you don't deserve really well, well, you deserve you, some. You of. may reserve. Do those ends justify the means? Is that where we're going with this title? I'm guessing. I believe that's what we're doing. How'd you do that? I don't know. Couldn't help yourself. I said I don't know, Mr. Wilton. At the time, you get an A plus on your art question criticism today, here. You know yeah. Inside the Save World drugstore are being videotaped by the surveillance camera. Yes. Well, if you knew that you'd be identified and arrested, I'd like to trade that A plus in for a threesome with Bobby. No, you don't know. <laughs> Oh, you can't handle the truth. Could it be that you lost control? You look like you're ready to lose it now, Aaron. I don't. Oh. Legal experts acknowledge that the strategy is an enormous risk, but one that Wilton's defense attorneys must think is necessary. It's as if with an all-white jury, they figure race will be a factor. So rather than beat the potential racism, why not use it to your advantage? This is I see that nail got hit on the head. It is sure dead. Really? Look, I'm not going to pretend that I am proud of this defense. But how is that different from what we did in the Braun case? We argued that the guy had a Jewish right to revenge. This is a lot different. Why? Gerald Braun avenged the death of his daughter. We argued that he was acting out of some kind of moral outrage, and he was. There's nothing moral about the arguments we're making now, and you know it. I know you are angry. And Rebecca's out with the blue flu. You don't think I know what that's about? But this is what- Wait, what's the blue flu? I think she's, <clears throat> she's staying out in protest of this oh. strategy. Which I make, it makes perfect sense and feels in character with Rebecca D. Cricket. Would you Google blue flu? I've just never heard that term before. Is it like a, it's like a fake thing, meaning I don't want to be a part of this? I. It is a strike action, especially among police officers in which workers are absent on the pretext of sickness. Nailed it. We do, Eugene. Sometimes we. Hey, I know. Totally literate. We get people off. We're good lawyers. We come up with the best defenses. There's nothing we won't stoop to. We're the best. I know what we do. I get you're upset, Eugene, but you remember when you were mocking all of the people in whole, in lockup in that pilot? <laughs> well, apparently we've forgotten everything that happened in the pilot. But this makes more sense. This does make more sense. Eugene, you ready? Ready. Eugene, for us to have any chance, you gotta go all out in there. I know. I'm ready. And also, how difficult this is. 
I do understand. They tried to do this all with a boom and it didn't go well. They're outside. Where's the steam? Hey, there's, you know, there was a conversation like, should we put lav mics on them? Ah, no, I can get it all with the boom. You sure it's not going to sound muddy and crappy and have too much traffic noise? No, no, no. We can get it all with the boom. Well, guess what? It's 20 years later, but I'm telling you, it didn't work. If you remember, after the Reginald Denny beating, lawyers got acquittals by arguing diminished capacity under the group contagion theory of mob violence. Emotional outpouring of violence. Now, basically, the argument is that Wilton lacked the specific intent to commit mayhem. It ain't dull here. Nope. Fun place. <clears throat> what we thought, given the nature of the suit, you might want to submit to binding arbitration. Oh, yeah, there's another case this week. Right, yeah. Day in court. Okay, Myra, you might be spending a dollar to save 50 cents. I don't want arbitration. I want my day in court. I'm not afraid of a trial. Why are you? This is another, David E. Kelly knows, depending on how extreme, quote unquote, his his A story is, he always has some ridiculous comedic uh, B story. Which, you know, to be fair, is is welcome in this case. Yeah. They, they could have used the, the midget prostitute here. Oh, no. I am not a... All right. The Would handcuffed little small person? Claims? Yeah. Small claims court i don't you generally use this? the term midget that's just what they said i'll be perfectly honest myra i think this case is a bit of a nuisance suit <laughs> Tell did me they about it. let's not inflame the situation oh yes they did. you fight fire with fire and don't tell me not to inflame okay this doesn't have to be a fight yes of because- course it is a fight why do you think we hired you to lick opposing counsel's earlobe okay gross i'm gonna need a little time alone with my client do you mind oh that's fine you see well, you might have missed that while we were talking, but Eleanor, in the deposition, called this yours. a nuisance suit. Thank you. And, like, I'm with you 100%, Eleanor, but isn't that malpractice? <laughs> Undermining your, your own client in a deposition? This isn't a case of false accusation. I've been falsely accused of shoplifting. This lady's hair times. is epic. And I've lost count of how many times I I've felt great. suspected. Yeah, me too. My black it's dramatic. They talk about being followed around in stores. It's sad. But the answer isn't a riot. And the answer most certainly is not throwing somebody through a window. Basically, they're asking you to accept that when black angry men are in a group, it's an excuse to kill somebody. She's not wrong, Keith. And that should offend you. That's that exactly what, they, what that they're arguing. exactly what they argue. And the suggestion that blacks should be given some special exception because we as a race are just less able to resist violence. That's obscene. She's also right there. Uh-huh. And as a black woman, you... She's given us a great performance, too. I'll tell you. Yes. I'm going to go home and weep tonight. Whether the argument prevails or not, no matter. Because I'm going to go home and cry. Just because it was made. Hmm. 
they give so much this show I, I, I always appreciate because they give their actors time. There's space, there's breath. Yeah. And a lot of TV feels the need to rush, 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 you know, kind of like those swoosh cuts. But right. when, when appropriate, they give the, they give them the air to breathe, which is really uh, welcome. No, it's good. It's, it's good direction by Oz Scott. All right, Eugene, <laughs> what are you going to do, buddy? This is America. Group contagion. Our evidence was uncontested. We put the leading urban anthropologist on the stand here, and he told you the black man cannot be held psychologically accountable for his actions when he's in a pack. He has a susceptibility to group violence, something animal takes over, scientific fact. Wow. One study. What crap. Your Honor. I'm doing my closing. This firm is a shit show. <laughs> See, what happened here is that this man got frustrated and he fought back. He was justified. But as a legal strategy, we didn't think we could get you to believe he was justified. We thought we have a better chance of convincing a white jury that he was an animal. So it became good legal strategy to argue that our client was like some pack animal, a social deviant, and it's crap. This is a good man, Aaron Wilton, with a family, a son. He's an executive vice president at his place of work. He is a very good man. He just finally had had it. Seeing somebody being falsely accused, he sticks up for him, this thing breaks out, security officers are jumping on him. He had damn well had it. And if you don't understand how this man could impulsively lash out, well, all you prove is that you don't understand. Oh, I know, you can sympathize, but until you've been yanked out of your car, until you've been searched just because of how you look, until you see the look of fear, in somebody else's eyes staring back at you simply. Great argument. Why not propose this three days ago when you were pissed, when Bobby was like, we're going to do this crazy thing. Right? Because it's a different flavor of jury nullification, but until that kind of thing happens to you over less racist and over and over and over, put it on the jury instead of putting it on the client. You you know what I mean? No. Yeah. My co-counsel, Bobby Donald looked me in the eyes this morning and said he understands. He doesn't. He I might mean, think. How are they going to work together does. next week? We could ask that after but every episode. Yeah, it's well said. Aaron Wilton went to the aid of a victim of racism. He then became the enemy and was assaulted by security guards, and he reacted with moral and personal outrage. That's what happened. I won't ask any of you to understand. I know that's not possible. All I'll say, this man is no deviant. This man 
was justified. Mm. Well, see, and I think that's where he loses me. He's, he's got me a thousand percent up to that point, but justified. He's obviously not a deviant. It's understandable what he did, but he assaulted, he killed somebody who. I just mean it's a there was, you know, lawsuit. It's so, not justified. Well, maybe I don't just think he gets manslaughter for it, but it's not. It's also a police officer or security officer. That you'll never yeah. have one. I beg your pardon? <laughs> what was I thinking coming here? Expecting you to embrace the idea of sex being important in the union. I, I, don't turn this on me, Myra. You're the one turning it. You just called me stupid. I'm not calling you stupid. I just said it was silly to prosecute a travel agent. Yeah, which brings me back to the fact that you don't have a clue. A clue about what? You know what, Eleanor? Probably the only long-term sexual relationship you've ever had has been with your left hand. It was a mistake wow. to come here. Fucking shit. Myra? Yes. What is happening, Keith? <laughs> Never insult the left. Eleanor? She tripped. What is happening? What is going on? She just pushed She's her just cousin. knocked her to the just knocked that bitch out. Her cousin who her client. Her client who just clearly sues people frivolously. Oh boy. You ought to go before the bar. You should lose your license for us. Because she accused her of masturbating? Stunt like you want my that. license? Take my license. <laughs> Take my license. Did you tell the client you were going to pull that? Did you ask me? I didn't need to ask. The hell you didn't. He comes before your black pride, Eugene. If he goes to jail, what? When we got grounds for appeal, you can argue his lawyer was a deviant. It's irresponsible. All right. All right, look. The truth is, I don't know if I could have lived with an acquittal on that contagion defense anyway. How could I explain that to my son, Bobby? Even so, he should have asked you. It's like he said. You didn't, didn't ask him to. before you called him a deviant on the stand. I... Jury's back. The righteous indignation across all parties here is... is right. 6.5 worthy. Members of the jury, have you reached a verdict? We have, Your Honor. Will the defendant please stand? That's a lot of spare tires, 6.5. We have given less for more. How do you find in the matter of the Commonwealth versus Aaron David Wilton? More for less. On the first charge of voluntary manslaughter, we find the defendant not guilty. On the second charge of aggravated mayhem, we find the defendant not guilty. On the third charge of felony assault, we find the defendant guilty. Not guilty. Yeah, see, okay. So say the one, so the say jury one. had three options. They had, like, the, well. the whole dollar menu doing. of options Thank here. Your service. And, like, you know, no to manslaughter. I'm with, totally. I, you know, if I'm on this jury, yeah, it's not manslaughter. I, you know, I think it truly was an accident, this, that, the other thing. But, like, it, at the very least, it's aggravated assault, regardless of the context. And, I, I just and need it, to get these juries. These juries are so... Well, it's, it, it's like, the only non-racist judgment here is guilty because the only reason he wouldn't be guilty is if you're just like oh he couldn't control himself and i think that's racist so now what you're saying keith is that this jury of white folk are all yes. racist because they acquitted this guy strangely yeah that is kind of what i'm saying you're now excused court is adjourned <laughs> We're causing a switch strategy, Mr. Bell. 
That's a really short skirt. Which you can't see, audience. Haha, <laughs> just imagine it. Oh man, we got a showdown now. I think your closing did it. Thanks. You want to talk to the press on this, or you want me to do it? You're better at spin. You do it. Eugene, you claim I don't understand. I'll accept, I'll accept that. I, I will. I don't understand what it's like to be subjected over and over and over again. I'll accept I'll never get that. But you know a man did die here. And the I've had it theory as a defense to manslaughter. I'll never understand that either. Just a legal strategy. You got yours, and uh, I got mine. Yeah. But yours came from your heart. Good writing, that scene. Mm hmm. They didn't have a previously on this week, so they could have time for these pauses. We simply sought the jury's understanding of Aaron Wilton's state of mind at the time of the event. That understanding of a white jury and a black defendant can only be construed as a positive outcome, beyond the guilt or innocence of one man. It's a larger statement for our commonwealth and for our country. Eek. Close up on Eugene. And wait for it. Oh, yeah, we Eugene got Eugene gives us a killer single tear at the at the buzzer. He needed it because I was wavering, but now I think he's solidified what he's rightfully came to deserve. He sure has. We have one of the first clean sweeps. Best actor, best lawyer. Combo? Well, we're gonna find out. Okay, well, that was that was it. Season two, episode eight. The wow. means the most the lowest rated. Possibly because it might be the most controversial episode of the practice. You so uh let's just gonna let the bumper run the whole time. I am, I can't get it to stop. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, technology is hard. Okay, wow. so wow, we have a lot to talk about, but let's start with most So, most valuable lawyer here in this we it probably can't be Eleanor since she punched her client. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And called her a nuisance. Well, I think that 
though the team didn't work well together this week, I think that that Eugene once again swoops in. I mean, Bobby, you know, he likes to take a big swing, and I, I do believe he was acting in good faith trying to get his client uh, uh, acquitted on you know by any means possible. But but Eugene was able to thread thread the needle a little more with a little more nuance, and his clothes really. I think Bobby's right. His clothes did do it. Did he impose a little racist guilt onto the the jury? Yes, but I think that is more morally acceptable, at least in my eyes, than trying to accuse the defend your client of being a rabid animal who couldn't control himself. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, I it's tough. I think uh, in in some worlds, I would actually give it to ADA Hart, the the district attorney going against us. But she lost. She lost a case in which they had it on film. This guy killing the guy out of nowhere, without any, without even knowing who he was. So it wasn't. So it's it's kind of hard to hard to give it to her. So I yeah, I think I like yeah, with reservations when your clothes. I mean, that could have been her clothes, Keith. You know, regardless of what my my the opponent says today, I want to remind you that we have a videotape here. Let's play it again. Of this man right. assaulting this officer and uh, throwing him through a plate glass window. Let's just leave it at that. Right. But instead, this, uh, what this she officer said, who was just doing his job, right? Instead, trying what she to break said up was, a fight. I'm going to cry tonight. Which I, I I think you do both. Yeah. And 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 to be fair, we don't know that she didn't do both. So I mean, I thought she actually had a did a terrific job. She just lost for reasons beyond my understanding. So you know what? Because I I don't believe the verdict. Just in terms of like the writing itself, like I don't buy that twist. So I'm giving it to ADA Hart. Take that world. Wow. You know what, Keith? Do you know what? To prove I, we're not going to be Bobby and Eugene here. I'm going to go along with your strategy. I'm going to change my opinion and I'm going to give the unanimous vote. Oh! To ADA Kelly. Hart. Kelly wrote it. <laughs> Names are hard. Yeah. All right. Look at that. Out of nowhere with a twist. We had a twist of our own episode. We here. did. All right. So, uh, you know what it's time for? No, 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 no. We can't. Oh, no. Randy famous. No. Wait, what's happening? She has to get her claps. I don't know what you're thinking. Oh, oh, my God. Sorry. ADA Hart. Congratulations. Your uh, trophy is in the mail. Now it's time. Already famous cause you've been on TV Getting a paycheck First entry on your IMDB Way to go But you're the best guest actor Get it, you get the it best guest actor You are the best guest actor on the episode Now Keith Yes uh, As I stated before, I thought that the uh, defendant's uh, girl, uh, wife Excuse me, I shouldn't say girlfriend Um Gave it gave it a great performance. However, you and I do have a precedent, previous precedent set that if we find the comedic relief to be especially strong, we uh-huh. generally throw it that way. And I can't I think that my vote this week goes to none other than uh bootleg Fran Drescher. Bootleg Fran Drescher. Congratulations. So uh you, you the cousin. The cousin. Meredith Scott Lynn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well I she she really was effective at trying to justify one of our main characters punching someone to the floor in the office, mm-hmm. even though it made 
no sense and isn't in the tone of the show. But she she did create a very punchable character. So she did. So uh, fair enough. I think we're going to go split because I am sticking with ADA Hart. I'm giving it to Sandra Quarterman. She did. She was great. Who I thought she did a really good job. It felt very lived in. It felt very real. I hope and, that uh, we see her back. I hope so, too. So uh, congratulations, Sandra Quarterman and Meredith Scott Lynn for your split decision. You will each get half of your trophy. Please email us. Let us know whether you want the top or the bottom half of the trophy. Not going to touch. All right. (laughs) That brings us to. You killed your podiatrist or blew the case. Uh Uh-oh. But you let a single tear. Literally. Literally. You're the best. Actor on the show. Yeah, this one's kind of unfair because he did exactly what we say in the song. He did. Now, this is so far out of my purview, but not only does he give a great performance here, Steve Harris, but yes, I think we've pointed out a few times that sometimes the the black viewpoint being written by the two white men, two very very white men, um, can be a difficult uh, obstacle course for an actor to give, uh, you know, such a not nuanced idea through the prism of your own personal experience. And I just think he continues to nail it. Even though I commented earlier that they kind of recycle a few of the beats, he always yeah. brings a lot of clear dedication and nuance to the performance, and and no exception here. Yeah, he's a, I mean, he's just flat out a terrific actor. There's just no getting around it. And, you know, it's, we'll get into it for the, uh, when we talk about the tires, but um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's written by, written by two white dudes directed by a black person, which I thought was good. I was like, oh God, please let there be at least one black person on the team here. Uh, But uh, yeah, congratulations, Steve Harris. Steve Harris really kind of running away with best actor in a lot of these. Uh, he's, you know, he's he's been given the showiest material, so it's a little bit unfair. But he really steps up to the plate, like you said, every time. So now, congratulations, guess, since Steve we're Harris. In, we're midway through. Se- well, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna save that. Yeah, we're not midway through season two because season two is like 200 episodes because they put half of season one into season two. Oh, right. I guess I was just questioning when the Emmys generally happen. Ah. Uh. I don't know there. We will get into the Emmys one during this season because several were. Mm-hmm. I guess that's why I was wondering if Steve has some real hardware to go along with our non-existent hardware. That's a really good question. Perhaps we'll do it in our season recap episode that nobody will listen to. Oh, so not, your bro- Sean is already tech blowing me up. He's like, when is the recap? <laughs> It's like, you know, we, we don't have a lot of listeners, period. But when you look through like how many listens each episode has, that one has like none. Uh, they're like, nope, nope, unsubscribe. They unsubscribe to our season recap. This to is- be fair, it was like a lazy thing we did at like midnight because we didn't have an ep- We didn't have time to do a real episode. <laughs> My British roommate was just on the bed. <laughs> exactly. All right, let's do it. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time to announce how many Well, I guess the bar is set firmly at 6.5. 
Well, I mean, that's that's what uh, IMDb says, but IMDb doesn't. Well, I guess it does go down to whoa to one, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah. So, so where it, it's a it's a really interesting one to think about because it makes me wonder why is this the lowest rated episode on IMDb? And I've read some of the like reviews on uh, like the audience reviews on this episode. And they were super, super split. Some one of them said this was like one of the greatest episodes of television. The practice is great. And the other one was like, this is liberal, stupid propaganda, but you know, a bunch of libtard stuff. So it's it's really interesting. I I wonder if this is so low because of people coming down on different sides mm. of this, of whether and of <laughs> whether or not or how racist or on what angle of racist this episode or these characters might be here. So I bet you this has a lot of ones and eights. You know, it's interesting because it's, I don't think it's the most egregious when it comes to sort of like muddied viewpoints on a kind of hot, hot button issue. You know, it's, I I don't think so either. um, It isn't, it, it plays it too safe in some ways. You know what I mean? Because it not it lets everybody off the hook once again. Well, in, in what way? Well, in that, okay, so they have this radical, very inadver- backhandedly racist uh, strategy, right? Oh, I think it's forehandedly racist. Okay. <laughs> I, well, I guess I mean it in that I, I don't I don't question Bobby's m- intentions. I right, think he was trying right, to sabotage right, right. him. You know, um, I just think, and then they but. They, they they West Wing it a little bit at the end by by letting him off. Yeah, you know. Well, and I, I, in terms like for me, I think the show itself the the show acquits itself relatively well here. It's the arguments are racist and the the strategy is awful. But I don't think the show is coming down on the side of this is. A good thing <laughs> or the right thing i think it is commenting on an actual strategy that worked and whether or not they should do that so it's like it, the characters are in the wrong but i'm not sure the show is on the character's side um you know they the the thing that I'd, i the super racist argument is just sort of pulled from the headlines i you know i think bobby makes a mistake going with it obviously mm-hmm. The one that's a little icky is Eugene's argument because it's he's saying it's justified, but on racial grounds. So, you know, it, it's like it's not justified because of something that has nothing to do with it. It's like because of his race, it is justified. And if it weren't, if he weren't black, it would not be justified. And justified is very, is a different thing from understandable. Now, what we do get, I think the conflict between Bobby and Eugene here is that is pretty nuanced and pretty spectacular. Actually, it sets. Yeah, up I a, think it's. I, I think it's very good. It spe- sets up a good, a continued, uh, interesting dynamic between them. Now, on almost every other character in the firm's uh, arc, I think it's a, if I can, a giant wet fart. I mean. The story with Eleanor this see, this episode is dumb unnecessary not particularly funny and she she lays her out that's weird yeah well it's out of a different show yeah 
Additionally, a different character out of a different show. Once again, like Lindsay's weird obsession with Bobby's weird relationship, mm. non-relationship about in their sexual business and this like masturbation talk, it just seems almost like what they're accusing her of, this like just trying to be shocking. It almost feels like the episode is actually doing the very same. <laughs> well, yeah, no, exactly. And I, I, I think the scene where like Helen and Lindsay are talking about having a threesome with Bobby just written by the stand-in for I, I I just think that's ugly. I I think it's it just doesn't serve the show well. It's it's sort of like it doesn't serve the women on the show well, as we've you know complained about frequently on this show. Uh, well, it's and, almost I'm like just, and where can it go? I mean, obviously you know, but uh, clearly, um, th- she's in the she's in the series for a while. You know, Helen's not going anywhere. Oh, yeah. She's series regular. Oh yeah, so no, she's not for a long out? time. Well, you're gonna find out slowly over the next 15 years of us recording this <laughs> how many birthdays keith how many birthdays? how many birthdays yeah not true enough that's a lot of cake i'm excited about well, if i gotta put cake. a number on it I, I all right hit me with a number i don't think it's i think i think a 6.5 is actually fair is fair yeah i i actually agree with you i think the main case however ugly the argument might have been was interesting and compelling and i thought that there were some there are some points made well there. So I would give it a seven for that. I think the other two case, the other two plot lines knock it down a point for me. So I'm going to give it a six. So that is six and 6.5 spare tires for an average of 6.25 spare tires. Well, there it is. There, we got through there it. it is. We did get through it. Uh, thank you, Keith, for spending seven hours of your <laughs> of your 52nd birthday with me here um and with, oh they know it didn't take seven hours because it's very clear we're not editing so. no i've been trying yes. although today i will attempt to boost the volume apparently oh yeah yeah we need to be sean is what sean's really saying is that he wishes i were louder in his life all the time so look good? out for christmas i'm gonna be so loud i'm gonna boost my gain Sean, do you listen all the way to the end? Definitely not. No? Ah, but tell us at outofpracticepodcast at gmail.com or on Instagram or Facebook at outofpracticepodcast. Check out our blog at outofpracticepodcast.blogspot.com and see a lot of the screen grabs because Sean definitely has never seen the show, so he doesn't even know what these characters look like. I'd, so, uh, I'd like to thank the one Reddit user who liked one of our gifts this week and gave oh, us the comments. I thought Jimmy was okay sometimes. He was okay. He is okay sometimes. Well, Jimmy is so great. Sometimes we have good Jimmy and sometimes dumb, dumb Jimmy. Hanging out with dumb, dumb Jon Snow. Keith, may all the happy birthday lasers in the world make sounds at you. A laser sounds to you as well. What is Wisdom of One? Wisdom of One is the story of me, the brave and powerful hero Skankross 7 and counting. Wisdom of One, there's like all these crazy adventures that we go on. It always has something new. <laughs> 
This podcast has many, many personality disorders in evidence. See if you can spot them all. The one telling the story is shockingly repressed. Yet another Dungeons and Dragons comedy podcast. Interrupted by long stretches of grunting from Dagon and pointless NPC nonsense you should skip through. Sometimes it's just more fun than real life, I guess. So find us on your podcatcher of choice. Give us a listen, rate, and review us. We need your help there for sure. Wisdom of one. Failure is a way of life. Charisma of 20, but a wisdom of one.